Every Sunday morning when I get up, I have this kind of, what's the word? Conundrum. You know that word? This difficult decision that I need to make each Sunday. So I thought that I could actually ask you and you could help me so that I don't have to make this decision in the future, okay? And the difficult decision that I need to make is exactly what do I wear this Sunday? You see, I have so many choices about what to wear. I could come looking very ministerial, dressed in the, the robe, the stole, and looking just like that. Dog collar, the whole works. I can look like the Pope, right? That's, that's me, looking very posh. But then I also could look kind of casual smart, wearing a suit, with a shirt, okay, okay, just control yourselves here for one moment. I'm just going to give you the options, okay? Casual, smart, suit, tailored, suit, with an open shirt, you know, no tie. Or I can just come looking like I kind of am today, casual, casual, you know, like ready to just go out here and go into Starbucks and not even worry about it. Or I could come in my shorts showing a bit of leg, right? Uh, kind of smart, but anyway, you get the gist. So I, what I want you to do this morning is I thought, you know, I want you to just choose one, okay? You can't choose more than one, just one of these options, which you would prefer to see, because you have to look at me. I don't look at me, right? I only look at me in the mirror before I leave. That's it, Gone. I remember what I look like, unlike last week's message, right, where you forget. But you have to look at me the whole time, so I thought it's only fair if I just give you the choice, right? So I want you to vote for one, two, three, or four, okay? One going from the left, smart, smart, like ministerial, smart, casual, 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 bit of leg. All right? Are you ready? Okay, who votes for number one, smart, like ministerial? Okay, just two Two, hands up, come on, let's, I want to, oh, okay, one, two, three. Three for light looking minister, okay. Smart kind of casual suit and shirt. Oh, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no, hang on, hang on. Put, put your hands right so I can see. All right, Alex, what are you doing? Right, anyway, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay, 14 for that. Okay, what about casual, casual? Oh, that's this. This is casual, casual. Number three, you know, African shirt. Yeah, I like the African shirts, but okay. But casual, casual. Okay, hands up, casual, casual. Right, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Okay, nineteen. My wife, my wife voted twice on that. Okay, hands up for a bit of leg. Okay, you need therapy. Okay. I would say I'll talk to you afterwards, but maybe that's not a good idea. Okay. All right, okay, so this, this has it. That's, that's good. That's good. Thank you for that. It's got nothing to do with anything. I just thought it would be really useful to know because cassock has gone then. I'm going to use that. 
Brilliant. Thank you. Let, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And uh, as we look again in the book of James, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and our lives. Spirit of God, reveal your word. In the name of Christ. Amen. We're on James chapter 2. It says this, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in, showing a bit of leg. No, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is, not, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones you are dragging into your court, you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. All of it, sorry. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thanks be to God for this reading. The key to this is that very first verse. Don't show favoritism. But then that kind of brings up a load of questions, doesn't it? Well, what? What really is it showing favoritism? What is favoritism? Well, in the Bible, it literally means lifting up of someone's face. The lifting up of someone's face. That's the literal interpretation of the word, which kind of means really making choices based on external values that we decide things based on what we see, what we like, rather than on the internal. God said, didn't he, in 1 Samuel 16, this is, one, this is where Samuel is choosing, or God tells him to go to, uh, to choose and anoint David. And do you remember, all of David's brothers come in one by one. And every time Samuel goes, oh, this has got to be the guy. He looks like Pastor D. He's that handsome, right? Got to be the guy. And God goes, no, it's not him. And then finally God says to him after about the third or fourth one, he goes, stop judging by externals. God judges by the heart, not by the outside. You see, favoritism is where we make choices based on just the externals. So my question to you then, 
Okay, this is what it says here. First, before I go to the question, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, that's favoritism. It's where you, it's where you pay attention because someone looks the part. Do you understand more than, than the internals? So my question to you is like, well then, did I cause you to sin when I asked you that question? Because you all voted, didn't you? You all voted on externals. So was I leading you into temptation and delivering you into evil when I asked you? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe. You see, the line comes. This is where favoritism becomes the sin in a sense. The line is crossed when you or I treat or respect someone differently because of what we see. If you said to me, well, I'm not going to listen to him because he's showing a bit of leg. I mean, you might be distracted by the legs. I get that. But you know what I'm saying? He doesn't look like a minister, so he's got nothing to say to me. Then you've crossed the line, the Bible says, into favoritism. Or because he's wearing a robe and he's got the stole on, I'm going to listen to him because he obviously is a proper minister. He looks the part. What are we doing? We're then judging by the external. We're not saying, what's going on in the inside of this individual? Is he really a, an ordained, is he really an anointed minister of God that has something to teach me? Has he been anointed by God to be a teacher and a, a, a trainer and is there something I can learn? You see, so often it's about this. We say, well, I choose you. But we also say to others, I reject you based on what I see, not on who you are. Do you understand where it crosses over? It's a fine line so often, isn't it? Because we all have preferences. You know, as I said, you have to look at me for the next half hour. And you have preferences as to how you want to look at me. I get that. We all have those kind of preferences, what we look like. But where it crosses over is where I'm going to listen to you based on what I see rather than what I hear. That I'm going to come with a different perspective because... This is a guy that, that's bald and has earrings and tattoos. And so he's never going to speak to me. Rather than, let me just hear what God says. Favoritism, it says. James says, my brothers and sisters as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Why, though, why is it so bad? Why is it so bad in the Bible? Well, James gives us a number of reasons here why he says we shouldn't show favoritism. First thing he says is that it sets me up as judge. Verse 4, he says, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? It's basically saying that I'm going to sit in judgment on someone else based on what my opinion is. 
I'm going to choose to listen to that person. I'm going to choose to ignore that person. I'm going to choose to favor that person. I'm going to choose to, to denigrate that person based on me, on my decisions. That was what was happening in James's time in the church in Jerusalem when he wrote this letter. People could actually rent rings in those days to make yourself, and they used to not just wear one ring on your finger, they used to just have rings all over the place. They would have, they'd be covered in bling, right? They would walk in there chinking away like a cowboy, right? Because it's all just rattling together. And everybody would go, man, that guy's got to be wealthy because he's wearing so much stuff. But you could rent it and then you give it back after church. But when you walk in, everybody thinks, whoa, look at that guy. He's driving up on some posh donkey outside. Not any old common old garden donkey. He's groomed. Right? Rolls up. You know? He's come. Let's give him a better parking space. Let's give him a good chair. Because he's obviously, you know, like, imagine if he's given his tithing offering. Whew, we could do with that. Treasure is salivating at the mouth. And then you get another guy that walks in. Got nothing. Looks like he's just come off the street and you just leave him there. What's he going to contribute? What's he, how can he even be any use to us? And what happens is we, we sit in judgment on people so often, don't we? And we make decisions based on those external judgments, based on our assumptions. And when we do that, we effectively take God's position. God will judge. We'll come on to that. But he judges justly. Whereas we, we don't even have the information. Second thing it says in the same verse, that it actually fosters evil thoughts within us. Again, verse 4. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Why? Because you know and I know, do you know what happens when we do this? When we judge people? It's called a meta-narrative. We make up stories about them, don't we? If you ever walk past somebody that's begging in the street and you just stop and, and you just kind of think, I wonder, I wonder what their story is. I wonder how come, they, they're probably there because they deserved it, didn't they? And then we start making up stories about them. About why, how they ended up here, what, what their life is probably like and everything else. And we just make it all up for ourselves, don't we? And we just, we just make assumptions about them. We don't ask them, of course. But we make assumptions. You know, when the guys come into the night shelter in January and February, March, we make assumptions about them. Why are they, why are they having to use a night shelter? We make assumptions. I'll never forget, there was one guy one year. He was in the night shelter. And in the night shelter, you have, you have such a vast array of people with different stories. But so often people kind of just assume that they're all at the same. This guy, if you saw him in the shelter, you, you would make up that story. He's living on the streets, he's this, he's that, he's the other. He had a job in the city. Outside in the car park was his brand new BMW. He was sleeping in his BMW. 
because he broke up with his partner and he was kicked out of his house and he was living the high life so he didn't have too much savings he just had a lot of stuff and when he got thrown out they found him sleeping in his car so they brought him into the shelter within about three or four weeks he had another job in the city in fact he was going from the shelter two jobs he just needed a little bit of time before he got back into by getting a, enough rent for another accommodation he just needed a little bit of help up but everybody looks at him you know and you would think of an evening oh, here's a guy he's probably done drugs he's probably done alcohol he's probably been on the streets the same narrative that we make up for all the guys and it's simply not true it's simply not true and what happens is that we give the enemy an opportunity to make those to foster those thoughts because we never ask we, ne we never share our story and allow them to share theirs. We just make up assumptions and stories and the enemy has a field day in our minds. Because generally, well, pretty much always what we make up is not true. It fosters those evil thoughts. The third thing James says is why, why it's so bad is that it ignores God's election. In verse 5, I'll come on to that in a minute. In verse 5, he says this. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? But if we're sitting in judgment, we decide in a sense like who God has chosen and who God hasn't chosen. Who God is blessing and who God's not blessing. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And you see, so what, what I'm saying is that when we, or what James is saying here, that when we... Judge people when we, when we show favoritism to people. What are we doing? We're ignoring perhaps the election of God, that God has chosen this individual for a purpose, but we are unchoosing them because of what we see or what we think about them. And Paul reminds us in Corinthians through the Holy Spirit that actually that's, where, that's our journey. How many people have rejected us without even knowing who we are? without even taking the time to ask us. The next thing he says, it not only ignores the election of God, but it insults God's created people. Verse 6, But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Why? Because it literally means we dishonor people. Because all people are made in the image of God. We all bear the mark of God. We're all wonderfully knit together in our mother's womb by God. We all are incredible in God's sight. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus came to die for everybody. And when we, when we show favoritism of one person over another person, what are we doing? We're saying that person is more special than that person? Is that how God sees it? He says, don't do that. 
You're insulting God's created people. He made them all. He loves them all. He died for them all. Don't do that. And lastly, he says, it violates the law of Christ. God tells us, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Matthew 7, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It violates the law of love. When we make judgment calls about someone and we, we elevate that person and we denigrate that person. I love how Jesus, like his whole life, wasn't it? He just went out of his way to, to raise people up. He didn't care who they were. He didn't care about their story. They were a prostitute and everybody's looking down at Jesus and he's going, I don't care. They were a leper and no one would touch them. I don't care. I'm going to lift them up. They were sinners and tax collectors and they said, ah, everybody was, you know, I don't care. Doesn't matter who it was, Jesus just went to them because he knew that God loved them all. And where there was openness, he ministered. Love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everybody, right? Good Samaritan, the one you find it most difficult to love. That's your neighbor. Love them all. So what about you and me? Are we toast? Do we show favoritism? I do. Is this like, I know it says don't show favoritism, but that's, that's, that's easy to say, but very difficult to do, isn't it? So what do we do about it? Because if you're like me, so far you're kind of like depressed right now, going, ha, huh. Thanks for that encouraging word this morning. What do I do? Well, James also tells us what we can do about it and how we need to think. Firstly, he says, let the law of Christ convict us. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So what he's saying is that we need to let that law convict us. In other words, we use it in a sense as a measure, like, am I loving everybody? Am I seeing everybody as my neighbor? Where, Lord, show me the times where I show favoritism to one over another. Show me. Convict me. Reveal it to me. Say, Lord, in my heart, David, you messed up there. Show, show me where it is, Lord, so that I can, I, can, I can learn and I can grow and I can be more like Jesus Christ. If I just go through life with my blinkers on going, I'm all right, I don't show any favoritism, God's not going to be able to convict me, is he? It's like I got my, my, my glasses on and I'm like, I'm not even looking here. 
But the, the first thing I have to be is honest and say, Lord, I know that I show favoritism to some people over others. I know that. And I know it's not right. I know it's not what you want. I know that I judge on externals and I shouldn't do that. I know that I make up these stories in my head about how somebody is like that and I shouldn't do that. Lord, use your word to convict me. Show me where I go wrong so that I may go right. So that I may learn what it means to love my neighbor as you love my neighbor. As Jesus showed love to his neighbor. Convict me. Show me where I go wrong. The first thing always is to admit that we do it. It's like the, the first step in AA, isn't it? And all those groups, you know. First thing you have to do is admit there's a problem before you can address it. And James says the same thing here. Admit, admit it. The rule, the bar is high. Don't show favoritism. Uh-huh. But I do. I do a lot. Lord, show me every single time. But don't just leave me there. He says, next thing you've got to do is think about the eternal perspective. He says in the word here, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. The Bible says that all of us will be judged by God. We will all stand before God. Good news, bad news. Good news is I'm not standing before you. I don't really mind what you think about what I wear. Because I ultimately, you're not my judge. What matters is what God thinks about what I wear or don't wear, about my legs things like that, that he created, by the way. But you know what I'm saying? Like, the first thing is that recognize that even though other people judge us, that doesn't really, in a sense, it's painful, yeah. It's not very nice. But actually, I don't give an account to them. I don't have to give an account to any of you. And you don't have to give an account to me. But one day I will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and give an account to him. And he says, that's the perspective that you need to keep. And it's wonderful news. When you really get that, when you really get that, it's fantastic. Because you know what? I don't really mind what you think about me. I care about what he thinks about me. So I'm not going to change because of what you think about me. I'm going to change because of what he thinks about me. Because he's the only one I really matters in this whole thing, right? He's the only one I stand before. And you know what's going to happen when we stand before him? It says we have to give an account of all the things that we have done. Whoo! That's a long account. Let me read to you what it says. I don't know if I put this on or not. Did I put this on? No. Let me read to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
He says this. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now listen to this, verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord so that we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see what it says? We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we receive rewards based on whether what we do is considered by God to be good or bad. It says it in Romans 14 as well. Something similar. It's in so many different places in the Bible. Romans 14.10, he says these. You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess me as God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your minds not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. We all will stand before God and have to give an account, and God will give rewards based on what we've done and what we haven't done, on how we respond, on whether we show favoritism or we don't show favoritism, on how well we've kept the law of God and how well we've messed up from keeping the law of God. But you know the amazing thing is? The Bible says... We have an advocate. You know what an advocate is? That's a legal team right next to me. And you know who the legal team is? The Holy Spirit and Jesus. What a legal team that is. They are there fighting on my behalf. So I stand in the dock before God the Father, and he'll look and he'll go, as James says, you break one bit, you break it all. So how many of us are not guilty at this point? I thought so. You're like me. Guilty as charged. And what happens? Jesus says, he's guilty. But look at my hands and look at my side and look at my feet. I paid the price. And because I know him, because he knows me, Yeah, he's guilty. But yeah, there's no punishment. We are saved by grace. We are saved 
not by what we do, but by who we know. And there is only one person you need to know, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know him and he knows you, we're saved. Amen? Now we're still judged by our works. The Bible talks about crowns that God can give. I'm going to do a sermon series on the crowns sometime. But there are crowns he wants to give you and me based on our works, based on whether we have shown favoritism or not, whether we have kept the law of Christ or not, whether we have loved as God loves us or not. Those are the crowns that we receive. Those are the blessings that we receive. Those are the things that we can get from God because he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, but that doesn't help me to get in unless I know Jesus. So I'm saved by grace. Anyone who knows Jesus and Jesus knows them, they're in. He says, because I paid the price for all of this in your goal. That's the only thing. You can be the best human being in the history of humanity. And if you don't know Jesus, you're not getting in. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets in except through me. Comes to the Father. It's all about that relationship. That's the critical thing. But then James is saying, you know what? That relationship should be shown in what we do, in how we behave. So when we have that eternal perspective, we remember all these things. I want to not show favoritism. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. Why? Because I have that eternal perspective, and that drives me. I have a love for Jesus Christ that's standing right next to me that's going to be my advocate, and that drives me. Not because I'm afraid of whether I get in or not, because I know that I'm saved by grace. Nothing I can do, only the relationship I have with Him is all that matters. That's, all I, that's the only qualifying thing that, that really matters. But then I want to be like Christ. I want to honor Christ. I want to thank Christ. I want to love Christ and show my love for Christ by doing the things He's asking me to do. And so when I keep that perspective in my mind, it drives me to say, you know what, I don't want to be showing favoritism to anybody. I want to be able to say, you know what, I just love as you love. The third thing he says is see mercy as a true mark of God's wealth. He says it right at the end, doesn't he? See mercy. He says at the end of James, I'm going to just uh, briefly talk about what mercy is. Anybody know what mercy is? What is mercy? Sing it all the time, don't we? Say it all the time. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What's mercy then? Forgiveness. Somebody put it like this, really quick, five things. It's being patient with quirks. Anybody a quirk here? You know what I mean. With, with being patient with things that irritate us. He said, helping anyone hurting around you. Doing good to those who hurt me. Being kind to those who offend me. And building bridges of love to those who are overlooked. That's mercy. We might do another sermon on that. That's what mercy is. And he says, you know what? Mercy triumphs. That's what Jesus did. He looked at all these people around and he just loved them. 
don't show favoritism. Why not? Well, because favoritism is an affront to Jesus, isn't it? You can't show favoritism and love at the same time. And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, It's so easy for us to sit here and feel guilty today. In fact, I felt so guilty when I was putting this together. But I want to thank you today for grace, for forgiveness, for mercy. Thank you for love. And Lord, I ask that you would search us and know us, know our inmost thoughts. And as I said last week, the book of James is like a mirror that, that shows us what we're really like. And some of it like this today, ah, man, I don't like it because it's not like you. You could hold a mirror up to Jesus Christ and you would see no favoritism within him. He did the same thing to Judas who he knew was going to betray him as he did to Peter or to James or to John or to any other person. He treated everybody exactly the same way. Zacchaeus, who was up a little tree, and everybody was grumbling, and he said, I'm coming to your house today because salvation needs to come here. You just loved the woman at the well that shouldn't have been speaking to, but he didn't care. He crossed all the barriers because he loved. The leper and the, the, those that had disability or those that were looked down upon and cast out by everybody else. Jesus, you just love them. Help us to be like that too. That we don't show favoritism because of skin color or gender or age or wealth or, or all the other things that we use to discriminate against people. There is no room for that in the kingdom of God. Because you love everyone. You created us all. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, you know that we find it easier to love some people than it is to love others. Give us your strength and your grace in those moments, but help us never to show favoritism to those we find easy to love. And rejection to those we find hard. May we seek to love everyone so that we may be channels of your love flowing through us into all people. Give us your eyes to see and your heart by which to experience and feel so that we may truly be your disciples. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.